0: you're a smaller brand or a smaller business, the advantage is that you're often much closer to your customer, which allows you to create surprise and delight experiences maybe even more easily than a big brand.
1: Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast The show which helps marketers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, moms. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McArthur.
2: Hello, listeners, it's Katrina McArthur, your host of Marketing to Mums, the podcast. In today's episode, we speak with Amy Henry, the president of Flashlight Insights. Now, I had the pleasure of meeting Amy a couple of years ago. Uh, We were both speaking at the same conference, and we've actually been doing that for the last couple of years now, Amy, I love listening to. Uh, she's an engaging speaker, but I really see her as the champion around surprise and delight as a strategy. And I guess that's really around playful communications and surprising mums. And I think that this is really essential in terms of cutting through the clutter and engaging and grabbing her attention. So in today's episode, we talk about why you should consider surprise and delight as a strategy. We go over the principles that brands should be considering if they're gonna use this strategy. We discuss lots of examples of the way brands have actually used surprise and delight effectively. And we also discuss whether it should be an ongoing strategy or whether it should just be campaign driven. So I hope that you spend the next 30 minutes on your way to work or taking a walk and enjoying this really insightful episode with Amy Henry. Today on the show, we have a guest who excels in helping brands identify insights, strategies and innovations that really empower and inspire mums. She brings a deep expertise as a child development and youth culture expert. She's spent her career understanding preschoolers through to teens, emerging adulthood, parenting, and family life. She is known for her work in highlighting the role of play and fun in brand communications. She's worked with a range of big brands including MTV, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Disney, Kraft, Scholastic and Unilever amongst others. Her previous posts included chief strategy officer at Stropman International, chief author and strategist for CNR Researchers, Youth Beat Service and partner at Insight Strategy Group. She earned her masters in human development and psychology from Harvard's Graduate School of Education and is currently a PhD candidate in childhood studies at Rutgers University. Our guest today is Amy Henry, President of Flashlight Insights, based on the East Coast of the US. Welcome to the show, Amy. Well, thank you
0: so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
2: Uh, We're delighted to have you on. Now, Amy, I first had the pleasure of meeting you a couple of years ago at a conference in New York where we were both speaking. We had the pleasure of crossing paths again only last month, again speaking at the same conference. And in both those instances, I was really captivated by your presentations around the benefits of surprise and delight as a strategy for engaging mums. And I'm really keen to see if we can explore this subject with you today. So to kick things off, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you came to specialise in marketing to families?
0: Sure. Um, I have been in the, I guess we call it the mom and kids space, uh, which tends to encapsulate research, marketing, uh, strategy, consulting, innovation work. And I've been in multiple aspects of that space for about 20 years. I started along a pretty traditional path in advertising, but I realized uh, right when I started working on the Noxzema brand, which is a teen skincare brand, that uh, people in advertising were not just interested in why people buy what they buy, but they were also really uh, deeply concerned with understanding the target audience. So in this case, it was a youth audience. Uh, I was in charge of Teen Insights and I really fell in love right from the beginning. And I've always been um, fascinated by children and childhood. And I sometimes trace that back to being an only child. Uh, I grew up without any siblings and sometimes I think when you grow up without siblings, you, uh, you're, you're a child yourself, um, but you're often living in adult culture and you're, you get to observe kids and sibling interactions and some aspects of childhood culture that you might not have in your own home. And uh, I think it made me an observer of kids um, and, and very interested in it. And I was lucky enough in some of my first experiences in the marketing space to be with people who took it really seriously and who thought of it not as just a job, but as a special kind of calling within the marketing world as uh, an opportunity to be both uh, people who understand kids and families, uh, very important groups, but also people who advocate for them by being empathetic and by sharing with clients why it's important not just to understand them as consumers of soap or consumers of skincare products or consumers of cereal, but to really understand them deeply as people um, and to try to meet their needs. So that was very appealing to uh, the the ethical side of uh, the, the heart. And in terms of the brain, uh, I find that this space is never-ending in terms of finding more and more to learn, more and more to explore. The world of childhood is always changing. So it has been very deeply satisfying from an intellectual standpoint. Um, And as you mentioned, I've been able to uh, bring together an unusual set of expertise, both in the child development world, as well as in the marketing world. And my company, Flashlight Insights, is designed to really bring that to clients who value it. So most of the engagements that I'm involved in are a really interesting hybrid of bringing uh, deep thinking about kids and maybe a stage of childhood and uh, or motherhood and a stage of motherhood and bringing that to an audience in a way that is both academically authentic, you know, comes from real research and real insight and uh, depth of understanding, but can be translated in a way that uh, anyone in the room can apply that to their work. So that's the kind of work that I'm engaged in now. And I've only been on my own uh, for a few months now, really. But it's afforded me the chance to work with a wider range of companies and brands than I ever have before. So I'm working with small nonprofits on one hand and then continuing to work with clients who've been my partners for almost uh, the full extent of those 20 years working on big brands and helping them break through very mature categories with new offerings.
2: Fantastic, Amy. Listen, I really see you as a global champion for uh, what I call surprise and delight. And I'm really keen to tap into why do you think it's important that brands embrace surprise and delight as a strategy for engaging with mums?
0: Well, first, thank you for saying that um, it's an I I certainly didn't invent the notion of surprise and delight, but I do champion it, um, as you say, uh, nicely. And I think it's you know, it probably comes from spending a lot of time in the kids space, not just the mom space, but in the kids space, surprise and delight is almost taken for granted as a strategy, um, you know, being novel and new and surprising is in a way part of uh, the table stakes of being in the kid business. And what always struck me uh, before I was a mother, but especially having become a mother, I have two sons, is that um, parenting is a time of life when uh, oftentimes adults find themselves needing to create routine and structure, um, needing to make things stable and secure for their families But there's still those same people who need a little surprise and delight once in a while. So it seems like um, a real service to moms to be able to bring them some surprise and delight as they do their important work. And I think in the culture more than ever, there's a real need for surprise and delight on a very simple note uh, kids today, but also adults have the experience of not having, uh, as much mystery in their lives as maybe they once did. Uh, you can ask, I'm sitting here at my desk with a Google home in front of me, and we probably ask Google home 15 questions a day, you know, everything from what's the weather outside, even though our door and our window is two feet away to, you know, uh, a fact on, uh, Uh, A war or a battle that my seven-year-old son might be fascinated with suddenly uh, and wants to know about. And there's uh, not a lot of mystery. You can find anything you want on Amazon. You can watch your favorite shows on Netflix at any time. So more than ever in the culture, it feels like the response to that is not satisfaction with having answers, but a need for that very human instinct for surprise and delight.
2: I completely agree with you and I'm a really big advocate for my clients to actually use surprise and delight as, uh, as a core strategy because for me it feels like it's a great way to let mums know that you care um, and that they're special and that they're valued and, if, and that a brand's actually taken the time to, I guess, to know and understand them. Um, and in this kind of age, I really see that it's a great way to, I guess, break through the clutter. Would, is that something that you would agree with?
0: Absolutely. I think it's a great way to break through the clutter. And I love what you said that uh, part of what makes surprise and delight work as a strategy is that in order to surprise someone, you have to really understand what they expect and what they need. And so in a way, it is a strategy that forces you to engage in really deep understanding of your uh, target audience. And uh, I, I believe, you know, I've spent most of my career with the strong belief that uh, consumers understand when you are trying to understand them. Um, and it's not always negative. In fact, it's usually positive. They appreciate when you're really trying to dig into their lives and um, figure out what, uh, what their unmet needs are, what the, the problems that they have or the pain points they have that a brand or a product can solve and I think also that at a time when uh, you know we might argue that parenthood as much as it is a time of wonder and delight it's also a time of worrying uh, and in the culture right now there's a lot of things to worry about uh, you know as mu- as much as there's little mystery there's a lot of worry and so surprise and delight can be an uh, an antidote to some of that worry and fear that parents live with often
2: Before we continue with the podcast episode, I want to tell you about our podcast sponsor, Cooperate. Cooperate is a powerful marketing technology platform that allows marketers to visualize your brand's customer journey, deliver great content at each stage of that journey, and see how it all performs, all managed from one centralized location cooperate has been built by marketers for marketers i've actually had the opportunity to see the platform in action and i genuinely think it's worth taking a look at if you're a marketer managing large brands which want to attract more moms now let's head back to the podcast Fantastic. Amy, can you share with us, you know, maybe just a couple of examples of how brands are actually effectively using surprise and delight as a strategy, I guess, on a big scale?
0: Yeah, I, uh, one of my favorite examples is from uh, Chick-fil-A, which is uh, a fast casual dining, family dining restaurant in the United States. And they are a, a massive brand but a lot of their innovation comes from really listening and watching and observing the experiences that families in particular have in their restaurant. Um, Their mission is to be of service uh, to families. And some of the ideas that they've come up with have really been surprising to parents because they uh, fly in the face of how they typically think of the fast food occasion. So as an example, Chick-fil-A has what they call the mom valet. So they recognized the problem that if a mother is uh, maybe a fast food restaurant is a convenient solution, price point wise, time wise. But when a mom goes up to the counter and orders and has her children with her and then she turns around and can't find a seat, suddenly that occasion is very stressful, not convenient at all. Um, and really problematic. And they recognized this and they assigned uh, a, a person um, in each uh, restaurant who operates the mom valet. So if someone is, they can order through drive through, place their order, park the car. And when they come in, their food is waiting for them uh, and someone is there to actually find them AC. Uh, And so it is the kind of thing that you would expect in a fine dining restaurant, but certainly in fast food, it really differentiates them. And these kinds of small actions that are very insightful and connected to mom's needs spread. The word spreads about these. So even though not every single restaurant does this, uh, the perception is that this happens everywhere all the time. They do a lot of other really great things, like they have a daddy-daughter date night that are little surprise and delight. Uh, uh, you know, Once a month, they have in many of the restaurants, they invite kids and dads in to have dinner together, and they, they transform the restaurant into something that feels much more upscale, much more fancy, much prettier. It's, it's very pink uh, because it's daddy-daughter date night. Um, and it's a nice way to show that they care about their customers, but also really make it a surprising experience for both kids and families.
2: I think that's so interesting, Amy. Uh, for me, it's it, it's like you said; it's those small differences that can make really, really big impacts on mums. I completely agree with you there. What about if you're a smaller brand? You know, if you're a startup or a small business, can you still use surprise and delight effectively and uh, to, I guess, to connect and engage with mums?
0: Yeah, I think you can, and I and I think that that's you know uh, if you're a smaller brand or a smaller business, uh, the the advantage is that you're often much closer to your customer, so you can see their behavior in a much more micro way, which allows you to uh, create surprise and delight experiences maybe even more easily than a big brand. I, I love you know a couple of examples that come to mind for me are you know there, there's a restaurant in uh, Chicago that is. Has been around for 50 years, and it's famous for uh, when you're waiting in line. It hand they hand out milk duds, uh, which is a little candy, which is not a very popular candy here uh, these days, but it is kind of an old-fashioned tradition. And they hand it out, and it's not as much that that candy is so valuable, or or even that it fits the brand. Uh, it's uh, that it's a quirky thing that. Allows the restaurant to acknowledge that you're waiting and that they see you and they care about you and they're giving you a little treat to make that wait a little bit, uh, a little bit nicer for you. I, I think there's all kinds of opportunities for special experiences. I was just on Facebook and saw a friend went to uh, a Willy Wonka uh, performance of the Willy Wonka play that is uh, in the United States now in multiple cities. And uh, they had a golden ticket underneath some of the, ch- the seats. And w- without any pre-planning, without a prepaid ticket, the uh, golden ticket was found under her daughter's chair. And as a surprise, she went backstage after the performance and met the cast. Oh, how fantastic. You know, very easy things like that, that aren't about aren't about bigness necessarily. In fact, they're often about very intimate connections. So I I think a lot of brands can follow those models. I even, I was thinking about, we have a a candy store and a, I live in Philadelphia uh, and we have a candy store and an ice cream shop here that are, have become very famous. They're older brands that have been renewed in the last few years. And one of them is called Shane's Confections. And they do, uh, their brand is all about reinventing artisanal candy making. But to carry that through, when you walk in, everyone in the store is dressed in uh, kind of period costumes, and it is—it's uh, very—it's—it's it's, uh, charming, and it fits with their brand. But every time you walk in, it's really surprising. Um, It's so out of character uh, in the space. Um, So I think even little things like that, you know, little touches that make a brand stand out can be surprising and delightful if they stand out from the crowd.
2: So if you were a brand and you were considering uh, surprise and delight as a strategy, what are some of the principles that that they should be thinking about? Yeah,
0: I think, well, you know, in addition to what we've been talking about for all of these examples, I think the first piece is to really get to know your audience and to really think about who your audience is and what might surprise and delight them. Uh, but I think when brands get engaged in this business, sometimes they uh, they plan it out. Uh, you know, I think I think one of the principles uh, would be to be surprising. You know, surprise happens quickly. It doesn't have to be Perfect. And sometimes the most surprising and delightful acts that a brand takes are about seizing an opportunity. So I think about Arby's, which is another restaurant here. And if, you, if your listeners look up their, their, their logo, it is a kind of an old-fashioned 10-gallon cowboy hat. And a few years ago, Pharrell, right when he was really at the height of his popularity, wore a hat similar to theirs at the American Music Awards. And immediately Arby's, which is not a brand that's considered uh, very hip necessarily, reached out and tweeted and said, Pharrell, we'd like to buy your hat. And they did. And it is in their lobby now. (laughs) And it was so surprising. And they got so much press just by... Being spontaneous. It wasn't, I'm sure there were lots of discussions about whether that was completely on strategy or not, but it was a surprising move for the brand. Their audience, who had become a little bit irreverent, really connected with it. So I think being surprising and uh, another uh, one is to be playful. Uh, That, you know, to be surprising and delightful, you have to be a little playful, you have to be willing to uh, laugh a little bit, to be not so precious maybe with your brand, uh, to be not so precious with your audience, to uh, take some chances and to experiment and explore. And so that make it playful is another principle. The third principle that I like to talk to brands about is the notion of making it last. Because I, I think a lot of times when we talk about surprise and delight, We might talk about an example like that Arby's example that's spontaneous, that maybe happens on social media, on Twitter, but then it it happens and it's gone. And brands who really invest in surprise and delight as a strategy can really uh, make that part of their brand and make it something that builds equity for them. So I always encourage clients that I work with on surprise and delight to think what's the programmatic structure? And how are you spontaneous on a regular basis? So it flies in the face a little bit that if you can think about it as a long-term play, you're constantly feeding that pipeline with surprising and delighting notions and ideas. I think there's a there's a talk show. I'm sure you all know. I know you all know Ellen DeGeneres, um, but uh, in her talk sure show, <laughs> um, and she has her Australian connection, but um, you know her talk show in the United States is really has really become such a strong brand uh, that I would say that most uh, viewers would probably say that one of the things that she does is surprise and delight, whether it is her dance in the beginning of each uh, episode, that is something that happens every single day. But what's surprising and delightful is the new little move she throws in or how she gets into her chair at the end of the dance. So she infuses a little bit of a surprise and delight in each uh, notion. She's always giving things away in a way that I always wonder if anyone can't anticipate that she's giving them something when they come on the show because it's become such a part of her brand that she'll surprise them at the end of the interview.
1: Needing an energetic, dynamic speaker at your next conference or event? Katrina McArthur, your host of Marketing to Mums, the podcast, speaks around the globe on all aspects related to marketing effectively to mums. You can download her speaker kit at katrinamacarter.com or contact her directly on LinkedIn via her profile, Katrina McCarta.
2: From what I'm hearing, you can use surprise and delight as an ongoing strategy. It's not just something that's that's campaign driven. Is it is it better as an ongoing strategy, or is it something that we should just use for campaigns?
0: I think you could do it in both ways. I, I think that there are some brands who maybe I, I personally think that most brands in many categories can use surprise and delight because it's either a function of their category, so they have permission and perhaps even an obligation to be surprising and delightful. I would say most people in the hospitality industry fall into that camp. But there, might, there's, there are a lot of other kinds of organizations and companies that maybe don't think of themselves as standing firmly on surprise and delight. Things like healthcare, things like banking. You know, there is an element of those businesses that require uh, communication um, and and products that deliver security and safety and stability. For a business like that, it might be, you know, a, a surprise and delight campaign is a breath of fresh air, and it can be a way to reinvigorate a brand that maybe solidly stands for one thing, but has trouble engaging and breaking through the clutter. For other brands, it could be, you know, like Ellen. I, I think of um, another great one is uh, the Legoland Hotel. It's a kid brand. So it's kind of poised to be surprising and delightful. It's owned by, well, it's, it's, it's a, a Lego brand. So it, it has all of those playful elements already baked into the brand proposition. But when you walk around the Legoland Hotel, everywhere you turn, there is surprise and delight. And so it is their brand, but they have done it in such a way that it's constantly fueling the experience. When you walk into the elevator, the doors close, a disco ball falls down from the ceiling, and Abba music <laughs> starts playing. So, and it's, it's wonderful because every time you're in the elevator and it's so, you know, it's obviously more fun the first time because you're in the elevator and suddenly everyone kind of starts dancing together. So, you know, there's a, a, a brand and experience that, that has made surprise and delight their entire strategy. And, you know, not only are they booked all the time, but they are able to charge quite a premium uh, in a market where there's a saturation of kid and family experiences. So I think, I think that you can use it in either way, but it's, uh, it's certainly possible for it to be a sustainable strategy and not just uh, a blip in your marketing plan.
2: I mm, agree. Oh, look, I agree with you, actually, Amy. And uh, I, just coming on that Legoland, I think I remember from one of your presentations where you spoke about uh, with the Legoland experience, there was a, uh, a way that they were using surprise and delight to actually assist parents. I remember you showing a, a postcard, I think it was, that the housekeepers would leave behind to say that this room was monster free. You know, realizing that parents uh, were bringing their kids into an unfamiliar environment and it was assisting them put their children to bed each night.
0: Absolutely. And there's a great example of really knowing your audience and being insightful and bringing something, you know, you can, it's a great example for any brand to think of because if you look at what Legoland Hotel does, they take every piece of real estate that they, that, that, every hotel has. And instead of making it just a standard information sheet or just a standard, you know, survey for your feedback, uh, they, they infuse a little surprise and delight and a whole lot of insight into each one of those. So I think that's a great example. You know, what does your brand do in a way w- without thinking maybe, you know, what, what do you do in your packaging uh, that maybe some of it's legal and required. And maybe some of it is just habit. Uh, And how can you surprise and delight, you know, families and parents and kids with something that breaks the bounds of your category and is surprising just because it's there. And that can also show that you really understand them.
2: Great. So uh, look, do brands need to do all the surprise and delighting? Or or is there actually a place for brands to help mums and dads? surprise and delight the special people in their lives?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And in fact, that's often one of the principles that uh, I talk about with brands too, is that especially with parents, you know, there's nothing more fun for a parent than to be the one who is able to give the gift of a surprise to their child, to the rest of their family. I I did uh, a lot of work in family travel over the past few years, and I'm very passionate about that area. And one of the things that I heard over and over again from parents were the ways that they surprised their kids when they were going on a trip. And I think it was really inspired by a marketing campaign, you know, when Disney did advertising around the holidays and had kids, you know, showed originally kind of fictional families, but then ultimately real families opening up a a gift and say, you know, the parent, filming it and saying, you know, we're going to Disney, we're getting on the plane right now, or we're getting on the plane tomorrow, and capturing these amazing reactions, it really inspired a habit among parents to surprise their kids about destinations they were going on for vacation. And one family I talked to said, they had done it a few times on vacation, they had surprised their kids and said they were going to Disney, they surprised their kids and said they were going somewhere else. And then They started to have a lot of fun with it. And they said, we occasionally wake up our children very early on a Saturday morning and we kidnap them. And we kidnap them to, uh, you know, somewhere close by. We kidnap them to go bowling on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. as soon as the bowling alley opens for no reason. And so I think parents love the opportunity to be in on the play. And you know to so when brands give them an opportunity to do something surprising for their kids I think you can there's no better way to win a fan among uh among moms and dads.
2: absolutely. I loved that example because my husband and I did that exact same thing, so last year, we traveled around the states for a month, but it was eighteen months in the planning, and it was a massive surprise and delight uh, that we had with the kids. And we went to places that we knew that they were very keen to go to. So um, I completely subscribe to that as a parent as well. It's it's a lot of play, a lot of fun. I haven't done the kidnapping yet, but you certainly planted a seed. <laughs> uh, planted a seed there for me, Amy. Listen, I wanted to ask if listeners were really wanting to explore this topic uh, in more detail. And as I said, I really see you as the champion of, of surprise and delight in engaging parents and particularly mothers. How can they? Actually get in contact with you?
0: Well, the, the best way is probably to email me at Amy, Amy, at flashlightinsights.com. And they can go to my website, which is flashlightinsights, dot com. Uh, I'm a new uh, entrepreneur in this space, so it is an evolving website. So there will be surprise and delight, hopefully, every time they come back to it. <laughs> There'll be a little bit more thinking there all the time. but And I love to just talk to brands about this kind of topic and big and small. So we'd love to be in contact with any of your listeners.
2: Fantastic. And for our listeners, I'll make sure that they go into the show notes so you'll be able to get, uh, get in touch with Amy quite quickly. Amy, it has been a pleasure uh, exploring surprise and delight with you as a strategy. Thanks for being part of Marketing to Mums, the podcast.
0: Well, thank you so much. It was an honor.
2: Isn't she fantastic? It's been a real pleasure knowing and spending time with Amy Henry. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. You will be able to find the things that we've been speaking about in the show notes today. If you head to wwwmarketing mums and that is mums with M-U-M-S, for our listeners.com.au forward slash podcast. You'll be able to head to the show notes there and enjoy it. And we hope to see you on our next episode.
1: Thank you. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organization by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer mums if you have enjoyed this episode please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why if you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released thanks for listening